0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: And welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of Believe in Titans, your weekly look at uh, all the comings and goings and happenings with the Tennessee Titans as they, at this point, as they continue to prepare for the 2023 season, training camps in full swing. The preseason opener is not that far off and, uh, and, and we will get down to business as usual with former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great this evening. How are you doing, David?
2: Doing good. John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, welcome in. Thank you. Good to be here. And I am David Beauclair. And uh, before we get started, let's point out that the Titans have made a, uh, a roster move early this week. They have added center Jimmy Murray uh the the ultimate camp body i guess you could call this guy uh he's he's been in the league since 2018 when he uh when he was an undrafted free agent out of Holy Cross with Kansas City in that time has played two games and they were both his rookie season has not played in a regular season game since 2018 but uh but uh, he's been with he's been with five teams now and on and off practice squads and a and a guy who clearly has somebody in fact he spent a little bit of time with the on the Titans practice squad during the 2021 season they added him in mid-October that year but he was gone by the end of the season um uh, clearly they they feel like they need a little extra help there for the uh for the next part of camp so that's uh that's what they have done to make room for him they waived wide receiver Jacob Copeland and you know they they Seem to have plenty of wide receivers right now, and are uh, you know all of whom are, are making contributions. So just a just a crowded picture at wide receiver. But getting into uh, getting into the the meat of things, uh, the the backup quarterback situation. Uh, it, you know we've talked about it. It's it's going to be one of the most discussed and dissected parts of the preseason. But uh, but rookie Will Levis is off to a good start this week by all accounts, uh, was, uh, was very good, very productive on Monday. And then perhaps not surprisingly was, uh, was getting some reps with the second team on Tuesday and, uh, and performed well again. And, and Denard let's, let's start with you. Uh, you know, as a guy who, who, who has seen, I, I guess daily depth charts. Are there such things in 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 the NFL during training camp? Is is that a uh, is that a significant move that Will Levis is getting time with the with the second teamers this week? All of a sudden. Yes,
0: yes, and no, and yes. What what I mean by that, David, I know it's almost some contradicting myself, but you will see both players, Malik, and you will see Will Levis take those repetitions with the second team or the third team. What they're trying to do is get a feel for, you know, both quarterbacks and see, you know, how they respond. And it it, it won't faze me if somewhere in training camp, if you see Malik or Will taking some reps with the first team, I mean, that can happen because we know last year with them losing line, they need to uh, figure out really to me, what's the most, uh, most important position on the team. And that's your backup quarterback. And when you have an aging quarterback who's going to be 34 years old this season, not to mention, he how many games he missed last year five. You need to plug both of those players in and see how they run with each unit. So this is not abnormal. So this is something that you can expect in training camp, David.
2: So, so it 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 could be just coincidental that after a good day of practice, he was. I mean, that could have been the plan even before training camp started that hey when we get to when okay. we get to that Tuesday we're going to give him a look with the, the you know regardless of what he did on Monday then
0: yeah that's what they do i mean it's 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 to get a feel you know they want to see how will levis performs with the second unit they want to throw as much at him as they possibly can and like i said before i, I think this is a good it's a great situation for both players because what it gives them is it gives them um really a little bit more experience. It gives them reps. I know Will was talking about that the more reps he's, you know, taking the more comfortable he's getting into the system. So again, this is just, you know, the offensive coordinator, Tim Keller saying, listen, I want to see both players and how they take command Uh, the second team and you might see them taking some reps with the first team but that doesn't mean Ron is out of a job
2: David (laughs) no no you know (laughs) know, what what, what's funny about that is is I saw I saw a graphic online this week it was from uh, I think it was from a Kansas City um, fan site that they had they had they had put up this this graphic of how you know every team's quarterback and and the experience their experience level and the point was to show that that patrick mahomes all of a sudden is one of you know while he still seems like a young guy is is one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the afc already and and i think i think mahomes even saw it on twitter and commented on the fact wow i got old quickly but they had listed for the Titans Will Levis instead of Ryan Tannehill, and it, and it just amazes me that people can't seem to grasp the fact that Ryan Tannehill is one hundred percent solid as the uh, as the Titans' starting quarterback. I, I mean, yes, there's there's questions going forward. I mean, yes, this is the final year of his contract, and and yes, it's unlikely this team will give him another contract going forward. But it's it's. It's not. I mean, it's certainly not a question right now of one of these guys is going to take his job in week one. It, it it baffles me how people who supposedly cover the league, you know, would would make that mistake or or have that impression in it because there's there's nobody reporting on this team from Nashville, Tennessee says anything, but Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback and, and he is number one, but, but John, you've been out there every day of camp so far, it, it, you know, what, what stands out about Levis? What do you see in terms of a, a comparison with, with Willis is, is it, is it much of a competition right now for the number two spot?
1: Yeah, I I did think there was significance to the fact that the, you know, that, that, promotion of sorts, you know, giving Levis his first second team reps uh, you know, of, of training camp occurred immediately after he had such a good performance in red zone uh drills and practices on Monday. And and the kind of the one thing that maybe stood out for me, uh what we saw Levis do on on Monday in those red zone drills. Uh, you know, he threw about five touchdown passes, which is which is very good, but not unbelievable in in, in red zone drills. Um, but what he did show was was the quick release and the quick decision making. Uh, you know, and and those are are strong suits for him. You know, sometimes the accuracy and the, and the touch is is a concern for Will Levis. But what you know, what I think really impressed Mike Vrabel and his staff probably that day was was the release, was the decision making. Because that is something that that Malik Willis I think struggles with at times, not all the time, but we, we're still seeing in, in camp sometimes where Malik Willis holds that ball, holds on to it for a long time in the pocket before he makes that throw, and and that you know that was uh, a, you know to his detriment last year, and, and I think still something that that he needs to to work on, and, and he's much better I think this year than he was last. I'll say that, but I do think they really like that quick release and decision-making of uh, of Will Levis. Uh, and and I also think, too, and, and we have discussed this also, you know, if they're only going to keep two quarterbacks, which is still a possibility, you know, it was always going to be Levis that was going to be the number two guy. And, and if that is the case, you've got to start, uh, you know, giving him reps higher up at some point in, in training camp. And what better time – to do it than after he had such a good day on Monday. So it was a good opportunity uh, to start giving Will Levis sort of equal footing with Malik Willis. uh, Because, again, as I say, if they only keep two, uh, it's almost a certainty, absolute certainty, that it's going to be Will Levis, who was just drafted this year. Uh, And then on the other hand, even if they keep three, which is also a very good possibility, this gives that, that opportunity for a little... Little um, uh, even keeled competition, if you will. Uh, You know, if you're seeing both Levis and Willis operate with the same personnel and against the same personnel defensively, I think that gives you a little clearer look uh, of you know who's the uh, who's the better uh, player at this stage. But it is, I I will waver, falter just a little bit. Like like Denard said, there is it's a a bit of a yes and no situation because honestly, if you'd come out a few days earlier uh, in training camp and gone out there and Will Levis was overthrowing a guy by about five yards in the middle of the field and getting picked off by an undrafted free agent, and Malik Willis was having an especially good day, you'd say uh, it's pretty clear that, that Malik Willis is number two. So, you know, it, it kind of depends on what day you're watching, but I do think it was significant. But uh, You know, the traits that that Will Levis showed, the, the release and the decision-making really shown Monday, and I think that's why they kind of gave him the bump up. They wanted to see more. Can you do that against the number twos as well as you did against the number threes the previous days?
2: Yeah, and and I, I always feel compelled at this time of year to uh, to caution fans who are who are particularly interested in quarterback evaluations, whether it's the starter, whether it's a battle for a backup, something like this. To you know, you'll you'll see reports out of training camp practices that this guy was eleven for twelve on the day, and this guy was thirteen for sixteen, and the other guy was was eight for nine or whatever, and those. Uh, those numbers coming out of practices are just so false. I personally have never engaged in them because there there are a lot of times where the defensive back is in position to make a play and just doesn't bat the ball down. It's, it's sort of understood during certain periods and certain drills that, Hey, let the guy catch the ball and run. You know, we'll, when we look at the film, we'll know if you're in the right spot or not, you know, the the seven on seven stuff there, there's obviously no pass rush. The the quarterback has all day to stand back there. Sometimes he'll hold the ball four or five seconds before he throws it. and, And people will credit that as a completion. So, uh, so um, you know, be careful when you're when you're looking at those numbers. You know, particularly with Malik Willis and and Will Levis, as we have said, performance in the preseason games is is going to be much much more telling in terms of uh, their their passing numbers than uh, than. You know what, what you're getting right now. In fact, I I have to, I have to wonder, Denar, did you ever see those sort of reports when you were playing and sort of, sort of laugh about them? Like, oh, yeah, so and so was 12, you know, Steve McNair was 12 for 12 in practice today, but I would have knocked down three of them that were thrown my way.
0: David, that's called practice.
2: Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's all
0: in it is practice. And not to mention, were they in, were they in shorts or were they in full pads?
2: Yeah, but it they, they certainly haven't been in full pads the whole time. So, they yeah, I mean, that's so, another
0: – When you're wearing yeah. shorts, you can only go – what they don't want you to do is to collide because that's where guys get hurt. So, sometimes, yeah, a defensive back can be in position, but they'll tell you, listen, if you got to go through a guy, don't go through him. We know if you, you're in position to make that play, you're good. But, yeah, that's what you don't want because the last thing you want at this point, uh, especially early on in training camp, is somebody gets hurt.
2: You're, or at any yeah, point, you I, can think back to the uh, the 2000 season when when Perry Phoenix ran through Kevin Dyson and, uh, and and when Dyson was having a terrific season and and wrecked you know, wrecked wrecked his season, knocked him out for the the playoffs and, and the whole thing. I remember that was uh, there were some angry guys on offense that day. I
1: should I should also point out one other thing in, in terms of what we're uh, talking about in, in the and the training camp practices this week. Uh, Tuesday was also the first day that they worked with unscripted plays. Yeah. Uh, so I think again it's another opportunity to 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 look at Willis and Levis you know on on even terms there and say which of these guys was performing better with the same personnel in unscripted plays and you know most of the, most practices, you know uh, quarterbacks have have you know know what plays they're calling as, as they're in the huddle they go up to the to the line and call them and so forth unscripted plays, Team goes up to the line. Coach says, "Okay, call this. This is what's happening," uh, and that gives you another indication of, of, you know, if the quarterback can can process things quickly. Uh, and then Levis did, you know, have another good day on Tuesday, in addition to the to the Monday that set him up to play against the number two. So I think that was important to show he could kind of take that next step, uh, also.
2: So John, sticking with you, you, you say it in a way. There's not really a competition. For number two, because if if they keep two, it almost has to be Will Levis. So, uh, as you're looking at practices, as you're looking at this roster, what uh, where do you see a, a an, an interesting competition? What uh, w- what has caught your eye that way?
1: Yeah, there's there's a few of them that are that are still lively. I think you know, uh, I think offensive line. Um, you know, I, I'm still. Not certain that we have figured out who our uh, who our starting right tackle is. Um, I would have said, you know, had the Titans gone ahead and and signed uh, one free agent, George Fant, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of starting experience. I would have said, okay, that's your guy for for you know opening week one. It's going to be tough to knock George Fant out of the out of the starting lineup. Um, but the Titans went in another direction, you know, and and they signed a kind of a veteran, Chris Hubbard. Guy who's only played, you know, a total of 80 snaps the last couple of years, uh, but does have some experience, you know, years prior to that. You know, he was he was a starter. Um, so I think he's got a shot if he comes along in, in camp uh at, at being a starter. You know, Jamarco Jones is sort of the guy that's penciled in there right now. He's got some potential, but he doesn't have a lot of experience at right tackle. And even Jalen Duncan, I don't I don't think we'd see him start the year. Uh, as the starter at right tackle. But as the year progresses, he's got potential. But, you know, I, I think another, uh, on the on the other side of the ball, kind of the position spot that, that is pretty interesting right now is the inside linebacker uh, next to uh, Al Shire, who is definitely going to be one of the starters there. But the other one, I, I think, is either going to be Monty Rice or uh, Jack Gibbons, a.k.a. Dr. Gibby, the, the nickname Mike Grable gave him. Um, and it's interesting to me, you know, you look at Monty Rice and he's a guy, you know, certainly has kind of the the, the better pedigree of the two players. I mean, this was guy who was a third round draft pick a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I think he's had 10 starts uh, over the, the last couple of years. He's been pretty productive uh, while he's in there. But uh, I, I think they like his speed. I, I think they like his uh, pursuit ability. But there are some things to like about Jack Gibbons as well. Uh, and Mike Frabel talked about him earlier this week. You know, he's a rangy guy. He's tall. Uh, he can he can you know bat uh, balls away a little bit better. He's a little bit in, better in coverage, I think, than Monty Rice is. And and interestingly enough, both these guys were starting to play a lot towards the end of last year, in, in part due to injury. But you look at the the last game, the biggest game of last year, the season finale against Jacksonville. Gibbons has 47 snaps in that game, an inside uh, linebacker. Monty Rice only has 27. So I, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty good competition right now, and they seem to be going back and forth in terms of who's getting uh, first team reps. So that's another one I think to uh, to keep our eye on, and there's probably you know one or two others as well. But I feel like like uh, you guys are probably going to dive in with your own uh, looks as well here.
2: Denard, I, I'll ask you the same question, and, and I'll also ask you, you know, are guys aware when they're in a when they're in a competition like that, and and it you know. Do you keep track of what the other guy is doing, or or is it is it better just to to block that out and try and try and do the best you can every day? Do you think,
0: Uh, David? You always aware as long as you have a number and you go out there in that field, you know it's open competition, and I don't care. There's no Jeff. Jeff used to say all the time, uh, just because you're pencil in as a starter, don't mean you're gonna start. So (laughs) that was kind of a way. Listen. They'll come back here playing around because you can be replaced any time. So what you do is, and, and I'm going to give you kind of a quick background, David, real fast, is that coming back after that Super Bowl loss to St. Louis, of course, everybody was talking about Donald Mitchell uh, stepping in and replacing Denard Walker and possibly uh, being the starting cornerback for the Tennessee Titans in 2000. Well, I used to hear the, the little critics, of course. Yeah. Uh, people like you know John Glennon not that, I'm just kidding. What but what you man. do what you Never. do David, you block all of that out. You know, what you do is you focus on yourself. You focus on getting better. And we all as a football player, you know that anytime that you step uh, in between those lines, uh what you're doing, you're fighting for a roster spot. So again, when I look at players uh, and I'll tell them all the time, focus on you. You learn how to do YDY. Why you learn how to do you. And when you can do that and focus on getting yourself better, David, that's where the improvement starts. It starts with what's, you know, what you have inside of you. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. You don't focus on anything else around you. And that was something that Coach Fisher he had a point of emphasis, especially to me, knowing that people on the outside, they're going to look at one game and judge you. Listen, there was 50 some other games before that that Denard Walker stepped up and played big. No one talked about that. No one it talked hey. about in the playoffs, the fact that when going down the stretch, now I'm going to go ahead and get all of this out, David, that Denard Walker was asked to cover Eric Mose, who was a Pro Bowl player in 1999. He was asked to cover Marvin Harrison, who was – he's a Hall of Famer Pro Bowl player, not to mention going to Jacksonville. If you watch that game, Denard Walker go against Jimmy Smith, who was a Pro Bowl player. But everybody wanted to focus on one game. And, David, what, you, what I did that whole – when I came back in 2000, you know what I did? I focused on what I can do. And that's the way you go about your job. You learn how to do you. And that was a point of emphasis from coach Fisher. Why do you, why you do you.
2: How, how hard is that though? Like, like we'll, we'll always hear, you know, it's a big, it's a big sort of cliche with the fans that, you know, well, you've got a whole off season to think about your last game. I, I, I mean, did you? I mean, you've you've said it on here numerous times. You didn't play well in Super Bowl thirty-four. Did 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 that gnaw at you all off-season, or did you pretty quickly sort of step back and get some perspective and say, you know what? I played a lot of good games this year, and and we were just fine, and and sort of you know get your confidence back up pretty quickly that way. You don't define yourself
0: uh, by one game. You know, it's like a guy who goes out there and he plays well, and then he comes back the next game and, and just absolutely lays an egg. Now you're on the bench. That's the way it works in this league. And you only you only as relevant as your last play. So what you got to do as a player, Rob Woodson used to tell he used to say this all the time. He says, listen, if you play defensive back in this league, you have a, a short memory. That means, David, you got to learn how to let things go. Greg Williams used to preach to us all the time, you're going to be, you're going to get beat. It's not a matter of, you know, when it's gonna happen eventually. It's inevitable, but it's how you respond to adversity. That's what makes a player uh have longevity in this league. It's not like Tom Brady as good as he was over his career. He had some bad games, David.
2: Yeah, yeah. He he did and and I'm sure some terrible throws too that that he wishes he had back and and, and you know what Kind of, kind of bringing this back to the discussion about uh, about roster battles here. That 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 sort of takes me to where I wanted to go because it, it's going to be really interesting to me to watch the kickers. You know, you talk about you, you talk about moments when everybody's watching, and and you know, they're they they You probably made however many hundreds of plays in a season where, you know, you played, you did exactly what you're supposed to do. The ball never came your way. Fans don't see that, right? Fans see when the one ball goes over top of you and and you end up chasing the guy down the sideline and into the end zone. Well, kickers, you know, kickers are in that boat where people, people know if they, if they did well or not, right? The ball goes through the uprights or it doesn't. And the Titans are, the Titans are looking at two rookies this year in in Caleb Shudak, who they really wanted to take a look at last year, but uh, but he hurt himself at the end of minicamp and and was lost for the year. And Trey Wolf, an, an undrafted rookie this year out of Texas Tech, and you know it, it's the same sort of thing. You know you're going to see you're going to see practice stats for them, and and to this point that you know both of them have missed two kicks. They've made the they've made the vast majority of attempts that they've had, but it's you know it's gonna it's gonna come down. To preseason performance for those guys. You just go back to 2002 and and it was uh, you know veteran Sam Ficken against uh, a rookie then Tucker McCann and and Ficken won the job in in two games when he went uh, he went three for three in field goals six for six in PATs and uh, and, and the three field goals included a 58 yarder at Tampa Bay and that 58 yarder basically won the job from now of course what ultimately happened is days before the season opener he gets hurt the Titans uh, promote Michael Badgley from the practice squad for week one a ter- Terrible game for everybody there against Arizona. Randy Bullock then gets the job and ends up having the job for two years. But, uh, but you know, Whatever, whatever Ficken and McCann had done in practice was almost meaningless in that moment that, uh, that, that Ficken hit a 58 yard field goal in, in a game. And I, and, uh, and I think the, you know, these two guys are, are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have the same opportunity if, if one of them can, uh, can, can really distinguish himself. And, And what's, what's fascinating about this competition, you know, what it means in a kicker, I don't know, but physically, these two guys, could not be more different in that Caleb Shudak is listed at five seven one seventy seven which means he's probably more like five five and a half right and one hundred sixty five pounds and trey wolf is uh is six foot four two hundred and fifteen pounds he's he's a big guy and and I think uh I, I think people will be uh will be sort of expecting him to to have a bigger leg that way but but we'll see and and it's not just going to be. Field goals and PATs, although that's a huge part of it. But uh, Mike Rabel has made no secret of the fact in recent years that he likes the ball to go to the end zone on kickoffs and you know it, there there will be times when when Craig ackerman the special teams coach calls for a kick that you know goes down inside the 10 or ideally something like that but more often than not Mike Vrabel just wants them to bomb it into the end zone get a touchback let's uh let let's go play defense so that's uh that that's the competition that that kind of is is a little off the radar I think that uh or people haven't haven't talked about it enough right now you know this is this is a this is a team that wants to not have to pay big money for its specialists. It went with Ryan Stonehouse last year as punter, and uh, and that was a decision that worked out really well. He's uh, you know he's he's back and and still on his rookie contract, very affordable. They want to do the same thing at, at kicker this year. Ideally, you know that one of these two guys. Will will be good enough to to win the job and keep the job, and they don't have to go sign a veteran free agent at some point. So uh, that's uh, you know that that'll be fun once we get into the uh, once we get into the preseason games.
1: I was going to mention yeah one one other interesting aspect on that competition, David. Too is that is that normally you know I think over the years when we've seen the kicker competitions, you normally have one vet and yeah. one kid out there right you know right. and, and uh, like you know if, if it's really tight towards the end you say okay you know this kid's this kid's really good but you know all things considered the veteran has, we, he's got a track record we know what he can do in NFL games so we've seen that that he can kick an NFL game so we're likely to to keep him in this situation as you mentioned both these guys are rookies you know Shudak played in, in one game last year um, but how do you know, you know, you you, you don't if if, if uh, how these guys are actually going to fare in the NFL, even if they're really good, you, you know, in, in training camp, even if they're pretty good in preseason games. You don't know what necessarily it's going to be like for either of these guys if, if they're the guy, you know, in real live NFL games. So there's no you can't lean either way based on a guy's experience or track record in in this situation you're going to have to to roll the dice on one of two guys who have virtually no experience
2: and and, and let let's say this to it another one that I I think bears watching uh that that's that's not huge but uh uh, but but potentially could be say if something happens to Derrick Henry again and that's uh that's Hassan Haskins and Julius Chestnut uh, I you know last year coming out of training camp the Titans ended up keeping both of those guys on the active roster um but Chestnut ended up going to the practice squad after a couple of weeks before having ever played a game it wasn't till December that he saw the field in in a regular season game Um, You know, with with Ty J Spears now playing the role that Dontrell Hilliard had last year, um, I I, I don't, you know, the roster wrangling will be such that it's certainly not a guarantee that they're going to keep four running backs on there. And, you know, Haskins was a guy, huge special teams performer last year had an off the field incident this summer. Uh, you, you know, I don't, you don't know how management feels about that. Chestnut was a guy that, that John Robinson cert- and his guys certainly liked maybe, uh, maybe Rand Carthen has a, uh, has a different view of him, but, uh, but that, you know, that, that could be, that could be one of those battles too. Like, and, and it, it, it's, it's just, you, you know, you never know with those last spots on the roster, what, uh, what could happen and, and whether, you know, I, I would think, you know, as Denard said, you're always aware of everybody else who's around. I would, I would assume those two guys are, are sort of paying a little bit of attention to, to one another.
1: Do we have time for, for on this topic for, for one more? Go, uh, go ahead. That's what then? this,
2: that's what this time is about. That's what, that's what this time yeah. of year is about, right? Until we start uh, yeah, seeing sure. these guys.
1: Absolutely. I, I was just going to mention too the, uh, you know, I think everybody would agree that if healthy, that the Titans starters in the secondary are, are pretty solid, you know, Bayard and Hooker safety, and then maybe your top three or Murphy Bunting, Fulton, and McCreary at, at corner. To me, especially at safety kind of position battles to watch, who are your guys behind Byard and Hooker? Who where do you peg those guys in terms of depth? You know, and, and do you have enough uh, at this point? Because you got a collection of guys. You know, you're looking at A.J. Moore, uh, Mike Brown, uh, you know, uh, guys that, that, you know, have been more special teamers than they have defenders over the years. Uh, and, and you've got a couple of youngsters. Matthew Jackson, uh, you know, is a, is a UDFA. Tyreek Jones is a UDFA. You know, what, what I'm seeing a lot of in, in camp is Elijah Molden playing a lot of, of safety um you know and and that's uh interesting he's a smart guy we know that and he's always kind of played a little bit of a hybrid role in between corner and safety also because he's played in the in the nickel but is that really to me is that your next guy up at, at uh you know at safety behind byron hooker at this point and and you know is he high quality enough to to be that number three guy at this point and and if it's not him the other guys have enough experience. I just that that's an area that concerns me, just because the drop off is so severe after those uh, after Byard and Hooker at safety.
2: Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, that that is kind of a result of the fact that you know in twenty twenty one the Titans drafted a safety in, in Brady Breeze. And midway through the season, cut him. Detroit ended up picking him up, and and he's been gone ever since. Last year, they drafted Theo Jackson early in the year. They cut him. Minnesota picked him up. He's, you know, he's long gone now. It, it you know, there was a plan. There was a succession plan there that yeah. uh, that, that certainly hasn't worked. And uh, let, let's point this out too. This this year, a, a rule change was put in where there's only one cut. There, you know, there's no cut to to 85 and then to 75 and down as as has been. There's there is one cut from 90 players to 53. And Denard, I want to ask you this: for for those guys who are battling for the last five or six spots on the roster, you know, some of those guys are going to get a third preseason game that they wouldn't have gotten previously. How much can a guy do in that last week of practice and that last preseason game, you think, to 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 win a spot that that maybe he didn't he didn't have going into that week?
0: Well, because that last preseason game, you're only going to see your backups, the guys that are fighting for those spots. You won't see any starters. That's the game against uh, the New England Patriots right in Nissan Stadium. Right, that's what coach is going to do. They're going to they. That's what you do in that last preseason game, and it never fails. I played nine years, and they will tell players, "Listen, the starters are not going to uh, play a down, but this is a game that you can go out there and make a name for yourself." And guys will go out there and they'll tell you, "Fly around. This can be not. It can be your last play here, but it also can be your first play uh, in another organization." Because remember, just because you don't make it for the Tennessee Titans, and we know that that's going to happen. There's other clubs, there's 31 other clubs that are looking at you and they're looking to pick players up. So, again, when you when you go into that last preseason game, David, and even in practice, every rep is going to uh, depend, it's going to – the way I look at it is every rep that you take in the NFL will determine if you're going to have a job or not. So even if it's practice or in a preseason game, that's why you hear coaches all the time say, listen, I know A.J. Moore, Mike Brown, uh, Matthew Jackson, they don't have much experience. But what we're trying to do is to see if you fit uh, what we're trying to do. And if not, there can be 31 other teams that are looking because we know that this roster is going to change before the first game against the Saints on the 10th. It's going to be a whole new different uh, supporting cast because you know that when guys get cut, they're going go to the, go to the wire and they're going to bring in more players uh, to make sure that that 53-man puzzle uh, every piece fits. So, again, everything is still up for grabs right now at this time of year
2: and uh you know that that's part of what makes it a fun time of year it's uh uh you know training camp football is is it, it grasps people's attention it's been it's been a long time since football season and and by this time of year everybody's ready for uh ready for some games ready for the you know the the fall to come and and to have sunday afternoons and saturday afternoons and and friday nights depending on what is your uh your favorite version of football you know for some people it's all of the above i would say and um you know that's and that's that's why we're here to uh to to look at this we will be back next week to uh to to update you and and get you ready for the first preseason game which uh You know, those they they are not as they are not as exciting as the regular season, but it's still football. I know I'll be up for it. I assume you all will, too. And uh, until then, John Glennon, thanks, as always. All right. Thank you, guys. Denard Walker. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Yep, And I am David Beauclair. And again, we thank you all, as always, for listening to Believe in Titans.